So welcome to this episode of the FC Podcast. My name is Stuart Taylor and I'm here in Harvey Bay with George Cowie from the West Ham Foundation Australian ID Camp. George, how are you today? Yeah, fine Stuart. Thanks very much for inviting me along. It is fantastic to see so many kids out here playing the game of football, a game which you've uh, been involved in your whole life and I'm interested to talk to you about that, uh, particularly starting with your playing career. When did you start playing football? Oh, I think I was about two years old. There's photos of me and the family album, two, three years old. And uh, even at the age of three, we had number 11, uh, a Man United shirt. We, my grandmother got her to sew a number 11 on the back because uh, it was George Best at the time. And, and uh, yeah, we've got photos of me as a three-year-old with a Man United strip with a number 11 sewn onto the back with my grandmother. So you've always been involved in football and now run the George Cowie Football West Ham Foundation. It is a private business, but it is a genuine partnership with West Ham United. And for the last 10 years, we've been, uh, well, if you take COVID away, it's been 12 years, but we've had 10 years of taking uh, good coaches out to Australia and New Zealand and and working on a day-to-day basis with camps in places like Hervey Bay, Maryborough, we meet in New Zealand, we're all over Australia, Tasmania, Perth, Adelaide. The programme has grown from three little camps. I was asked how it started was um, I, I, I took a, a tour to the UK um, a couple of years on the trot and in the second year we played West Ham United Academy in a couple of games and while I was there uh, they spoke to me and they said, because I used to play at the club, I was there six years as a young professional, and they asked if I'd be interested in bringing their programme, they had an international programme in America that was quite strong, and they asked if I'd be interested in taking it to Australia. I wasn't too sure at the time, because I wasn't, I was still really interested in coaching teams and trying to, to do something at senior level at that time, so I, I didn't rush into it. But a year or so later, on another trip to the UK, um, uh, it arose again and I asked if, if it was still a poss- possibility and they said yeah definitely so we started off with three little camps one in Brisbane and two in the Sunshine Coast about 12 years ago and um, it's grown you know the, the, the camps have been we've gone from Cairns to the Gold Coast and in most places down the that east and in, in, in New South Wales Coffs Harbour Grafton um, Newcastle Lake Macquarie, we're in Port Macquarie this year, um, Central Coast, we're over in Victoria, we're in Tasmania, we're, we're, we're in Perth, So we've and we've been to both North and South Island and New Zealand, so we've covered a bit of ground in the last 10 years and seen a, a, lot of, uh, a lot of good young players, but as I say, good young players, it's important to have good young players, the game needs good young players, the, uh, the stars of tomorrow are, are the young players of today and some of them will go on to, to better things. But I think the most important thing is to see kids out there happy and healthy and kicking a football, having fun. I think that's far more important. I'm interested to know what led you to where you are today uh, from a professional footballing perspective, moving into coaching. You've coached internationally, you've coached here in Queensland, and then you've created your own, uh, whether you call it an academy or, or, or a foundation. How did you first become a professional footballer and what was your journey? Yeah, before I answer that, I'd just like to touch on the word academy. Yeah, we, we were called International Academy when we first started this programme. And um, I, I changed it, but in discussions with the club uh, several years ago, I was in partnership with a company called Global and Sports. But we, we they since COVID come, I've broke away on my own. I worked directly with the, the club at West Ham. But after having discussions with them, and I see the word academy used all over the world. Every Tom, Dick and Harry has got an academy. 
And that, in my opinion, they're not academies. Academies are full-time programmes at professional clubs. They're young professional players that are leading to professional football, but they've always been identified and they're working uh, four or five training sessions a week and, and playing the, in top-class games against other, other top-class clubs. I, I class that as an academy. So I've changed my thoughts on the word academy and definitely think it should be it's used too easily uh, throughout, throughout the world, actually. So we, we're, the, the foundation is the, is the grassroots part of the club. If anyone does well, it's all full-time coaches from the club that are here, um, and they're, they're very good coaches. They're used to working with young kids at different levels. The foundation is, is what it is. It's a foundation. It's where things start from. You, you, you build from a foundation, and it's where things start from, and it's where players of all levels can come to these camps and, and, and maybe step one in a, in a long, a very big ladder. So I think, I think I'm happy to be breaking away from the World Academy because I don't think these are academies. I don't think they're, they're worthy of the, the name. West Ham were the first known as the, the first club in the world to be called the Academy. They were officially called the Academy of Football. And it, was, it was because of Ron Greenwood, who was a manager at the time, who became the England manager. Ron Greenwood was the first guy to start actually coaching as opposed to clubs in the olden days. It was training. It was all physical training, hard running and, and graft. Whereas Ron Greenwood actually started coaching and got the ball more involved in, in, in tactics. And he, he, he started West Ham officially were the Academy of Football. And they're very proud of that name. And, and it's a name, that they, it's, as I say, everyone in the world's academy now. But West Ham were the Academy of Football. And, and they still are. They've produced so many top-class players over the years. And I was fortunate to be part of it for six years and, and came through that system. So I've, I've got first-hand knowledge of what the West Ham Academy is all about. And this is the grassroots program that leads to the academy. It's a good thing to hear because sometimes it can get a bit confusing from a consumer point of view. But what you've done is you've actually articulated very clearly uh, that there has to be a start to everything and a foundation is a start and that's what we're seeing out here today is people starting in their journey of football they're starting to grow their passion but also you've got some coaches here from the UK from the from the actual club from West Ham United uh, Academy is that right? Yeah they work on the foundation and one of them works in the academy I've got two other coaches who are they'll be at the Gold Coast tomorrow they've actually got four coaches out from the club um, and the other two are both academy coaches. Um, the, the, these two lads actually work on the foundation, the, the guys that are here today. But the other two are, are academy coaches and um, you know the, the, they've been coming out for, for a long time. We've, we've, we've got some very good coaches that the club send out. They send out boys that can do the job. They know what they're doing. They're good coaches. They can see good young players. And they, they do, they're nice lads and they do a very good job. So I'm you know, very pleased to have them here. Well, one of the things I like about what you do, bringing coaches out here, particularly from a regional Queensland perspective, young players in regional Queensland, they can develop and they can grow, but they don't understand the language that is football. So when they go to trials or when they go to a, a, a level up, they're a step behind because they don't understand the language, they don't understand the style of coaching that you get that at that high level. So what you're doing here in effect is bringing coaches in who are already at that higher level and you're, they're speaking the language that they speak back in the UK and it's giving our young kids a hope of obtaining the literacy that is football. Is that a fair comment? That's a very fair comment. And if, if any, I, th you, I was talking to you yesterday about someone, about your own son, you said it, was how it lit, lit, lit a fire. I thought it was a great uh, explanation and 
I, I maintain it. These I do trips to the UK tours and great, fantastic football experiences where they see football. I mean, this is a start in the, the regional camps as a start of it. We then do a four-day full-time uh, residential camp where we bring the coaches out again. The better players from the regional camps will get invited to the national camp, which is a four-day, very intense four days, which involves uh, le- football lectures and nutrition and different tactical stuff. It's in, the evenings are spent in the lecture theatre and they've got two hard sessions every day ending up with games on the Saturday. So the national camp is like an next step up from this and a, bit, and a lot more intense. This level's for everyone. The better players get invited to the national camp and if they come, they get a great football experience. Then further on, to, on top of that again, we then invite the players that do well at the national camp get a chance to come on a, a trip to the UK, which we call a UK football experience, development tour. And and they're really seeing the academies, they're seeing the facilities, they're seeing the coaches and, and working and at their facilities, fantastic facilities throughout the whole of the UK, and then they get a chance to go and see the big games with the atmosphere, and uh, so it's just a, a great football experience. But what I've maintained from day one is uh, that doesn't make them a prof- uh, that's not going to make them a professional football player, and I can't make them a, a professional football player. There's only one person who can make them a professional football player, and that's them. It's what they take out of it, and even from from this uh, camp, it's like this two-day regional camp today. As you used the word yesterday about igniting the fire, and and I think that's a great terminology because it maybe just spark an imagination and make them want to try a bit harder and make them want to kick a ball a, f- a bit more and and go to different things. And so I I think the program, as I said, no one makes a player. It takes a lot of hours of kicking a football and and different coaches they'll play they'll work with during their their journey. But uh, if we if we can help them and one or two steps of the ladder and help them on their way. And I think that's what we've done with an awful lot of kids and, and, and help them to to develop their love for the game and the, the, the desire to play the game. I think that's what the programme does. In the interest of full disclosure, I think I should say that my son's been involved in the West Ham camp or, or the West Ham Foundation since he was nine and he's now 17. He's uh, playing in the Brisbane Roar Academy. He played for Nudgee on a scholarship. He's doing really well. But when he was speaking to his brother, who's actually out here playing today, who's now about the same, he's 11, and he was talking to him about this, and Jasper was a bit nervous. And and Jaira said to him, trust me, you're going to have so much fun, you're going to learn something, and it, it'll light a fire in you and make you want to be a better footballer. That's what it did for me. And he, he, to- he talked about the fact and I don't know if you know the story, but when he, when he was um, growing in this football, a lot of coaches didn't believe in him. But he'd come to the West Ham camps in Maryborough and he'd feel like he was progressing, like someone believed in him. The coaches out here were enthusiastic. They motivated everyone and it, it, it lit that fire. And he'd look forward to the next time and then he would go to the national camp. And that national camp, they spoke to them like they were footballers. They gave him the expectations that were required in relation to eating, sleeping. They had meetings at the night. They had hard training sessions. And he grew in his football and that fire grew until he went to the UK tour where he went and watched games, participated in training and had a full football experience. And he always talks about St. George's Park, you know, going to St. George's Park and how he, when he was there and he walked out there in the mist and he said, to his mate who was there, who's like his brother, that I'm going to be a professional footballer. That's it. We come home, December 2019, COVID hits, two of the hardest years of his footballing life. 
and he's probably still in it. But what the the what he talks about is the 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 passion that that grew in at that at that trip, and how he felt. He's never lost that, and it pushed him through the hard times. And I guess from my perspective, and I, this is your podcast. I'm interviewing you here, but I, I need to get this out is because I think it's really important for people to understand. Is Jiren never had an expectation that West Ham camps, the West Ham residential camp, and and, and the Gold Coast, and going over to the UK was going to make him a professional footballer in the sense it would give him an opportunity to go and and be a professional footballer. But what he did understand, probably more than most, is that it would would give him a glimpse or show him what's expected and that he could come back and try to replicate that. And that's what he's done for the last two years. And I think it's really showing. So from my perspective, I see the value. And I think you came in at a right time when football, particularly in Queensland, was struggling to provide that fire do you agree yeah fantastic story from my point of view i'll just have to get jara signed up and come and do some uh, advertising media and, and promotional <laughs> work for me because it's a it's a great story you know, obviously i know i know i'm obviously and i've got to know a lot i mean i don't know all the players in the program but we, we reckon about ten thousand players have probably passed through this program in the last 12 years between australia and new zealand but i do remember an awful lot of the, the kids and, and the ones that come on the tour where you certainly Remember and, and, and know them. That that is an inspirational story and really nice to to hear it. I mean, you couldn't say anything better from my point of view. It's very satisfying to hear stories like that. But it's not just uh, Jara. There's other. Uh, I've got other examples throughout the whole of Australia, and I've got to know the parents really well, and I've got to know the kids. And uh, it, 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 I don't know what it is. It's football. Football should be a family. Uh, there's bad sides of football as well. There's, football can bring out the worst of people. Uh, like, like but there's a lot of good things in football and it brings out a lot of good in people as well and I've got to know so many people through the length and breadth of Australia and some nice uh, stories with young young lads that's became young, nice young men they're coming sometimes I don't recognise them they come and approach me I meet them somewhere I was at the races at, at Sunshine Coast a few months ago and this lad came up and he was about a foot taller than me didn't know who I couldn't. I couldn't. I knew I should know him, but I couldn't think who he was. And he, he explained who he's now in the states on a soccer scholarship, and uh, and he was home on holiday. And he came up, really nice young man from Caloundra, actually, um, a nice family. And I think that's that's a satisfying thing about me. If you can, it's all right in the business, and you're, you're trying to, to make a living in life and stuff like that. Now, football's been my living since I was 16 years old, and uh, I've, I've had loads of ups and downs in football and seen some nice. Uh, things and since I'm, when I lost my career at 28 with an injury that was quite a hard blow and a, a one year old daughter on, on the way at the time and uh, it was there's been plenty of hard times but there's been some really great times as well and today as I've got older I really appreciate good young players and seeing them not they can't all become professional football players that's we all know that that's unrealistic if, if one or two uh, make it as a football player that's that's fantastic and that's a bonus but what they can do is football can play a big role in their life uh, in growing up as a person dealing with ups and downs uh, dealing with people de- making friends friends that will be lifelong friends and they go on those trips to the UK they end up keeping in touch with each other and yeah, as, as life goes on, they'll they'll find it. They'll play. They'll, they'll they'll find their own level, and they'll play at a level of football. Might be semi pro, might be full time pro, might be amateur, might might be as they're older, maybe still playing the golden oldies. But they'll find a level, and they'll and, and it's it's a great thing for friendship. It opens up doors in life for work for things. And I think if you've got good close, probably probably the same in other sports as well. But if you've got good friends and uh, football friends, they I've found that generally they're they're there with you for life. 
Thank you for joining me on this episode of the FC Podcast and my interview with George Cowie. In the next episode, George talks about his time at West Ham United and also at Hearts. So stay tuned, part two and part three coming soon. My name is Stuart Taylor. Stay safe.